Hey everyone, and welcome to the New Visionary Podcast, a podcast for artists who are ready to reach greater heights in their art careers. I'm your host, Victoria J. Fry, founder of Visionary Art Collective and New Visionary Magazine. Join me for inspiring conversations with some of the most inspirational visionaries in today's art world. Let's jump in. Hey, beautiful souls, and welcome back to the New Visionary Podcast. Today, we have the absolute pleasure of chatting with Amelie Mancini, a visual artist and textile designer based here in Brooklyn. In her paintings and drawings, Amelie creates imaginary spaces where the abstract and the representational come together to create new narratives. Amelie, welcome, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. Oh, so happy you're here. And, you know, we were just chatting before I started recording about how it feels like five minutes ago that I was in your beautiful studio in Red Hook, Brooklyn. But so much has happened since then. I mean, the reality is that was about seven, eight months ago. And so I'm excited to like hear what you've been up to and all the things you're working on right now. And yeah, let's jump in by having you just tell our listeners a little bit about the work you're making and and kind of what you're focusing on in your studio practice. Yeah, these past few months actually have been sort of a turning point for me in my work. I had been working mostly with watercolors, and this is the work that you saw when you came last summer. And in September, I started working with oil paint, something that I had never really done before and was not trained in, and somehow became obsessed with. So I've been having a lot of fun just sort of playing with the material, exploring how the paint behaves, just doing a lot of experimenting with the paint, colors, all of that, and um, working, you know, on a larger scale than the watercolors that I was doing. And um, I'm still trying, you know, trying to still figure out what my, what my voice is in this new medium and what I'm trying to say with it. But mostly I would say that my work is about trying to represent feelings, states of mind, sort of like mental landscapes, particularly about grief and loss and longing. And to do that, I use, you know, colors, textures, patterns, as well as, you know, the human figures and, you know, sort of like these like mysterious, ambiguous creatures that look like wolves. They're sort of like roaming in those spaces maybe friend, maybe foe, not sure. And so that's sort of what I, you know, I, I sort of build my paintings into these these geometric abstracted spaces that have recognizable architectural elements, but I'm not trying to be realistic or accurate with the spaces. I use symbols, free association, and I'm trying to keep one eye on the inside, one eye, one eye on the outside to create these images that have a narrative that is not obvious and that asks of the viewer to participate in its interpretation. I'm asking the viewer to sort of fill in the gaps, sort of like we're in the middle of a story and the narrator has just left the room. And so I'm I'm not quite sure, you know, what is really happening in the painting. And it sort of stems from my subconscious, I would say, or some memory that I have remember something. Yeah, something like that. Beautiful. I mean, I remember the first time I saw your work and it was online. Mm -hmm. Getting to see it in person was really special. But I remember when I saw 
your paintings online for the first time, I was so drawn to them and this like beautiful dreamlike quality mm-hmm. and the mystery. And, you know, obviously they're quite surreal and you do feel like you're in some kind of dream or like alternate reality. But when I got to see them in person, it was amazing because first of all, they're larger than I imagined, even though, you know, on your website or like wherever you list the dimensions, it's different when you actually see the work and the scale of the work in person. And also the colors are, they're so rich and they're so vivid. And, and yeah, I, I also remember during our studio visit, you were telling me a little bit about, uh, I don't want to misspeak. So you tell me, were your parents mm-hmm. psych- psychiatrists or psychologists? Yes. Or, <laughs> yeah. Okay. And you were telling me that that had like a profound impact. Yeah. Tell us about it. Yeah, absolutely. So both of my parents were psychiatrists. My, uh, sorry. <laughs> um, That's okay. No, sorry. I'm, I'm getting a little emotional because my, as you know, my mom passed away and, um, a lot of my work has been about, um, you know, processing this grief that I have. But um, I grew up with, you know, both of my parents were psychiatrists. And growing up, for me and my brother and sister, it was very normal. To, you know, like we didn't realize that that uh, this was a little bit different from, you know, other kids. And um, it was sort of like second nature. Like we kind of never took anything at, you know, face value. We always sort of you know, investigate uh, dreams or, you know, uh, meanings, um, sort of looking behind what is the obvious, what is obviously present and sort of like what is the hidden intention of sort of, you know, kind of everything really. So I think that has really, it's sort of like a, a very powerful actor in my work. This like the freedom of just being able to create associations between things that are, and just sort of trusting the process and, and sort of accepting, like if something comes to mind and I'm not sure where it's coming from, I kind of trust myself that this is somehow related and I kind of allow it to exist on the paper or on the canvas and, and sort of let it do its thing. And then later on, I'm able to look at it and sort of analyze it or like make a connection that wasn't obvious at first. But that is, you know, actually very meaningful. And that has been the big part of of my creative process for sure. It's beautiful. And I mean, I'm so sorry that your your mom passed. And I remember like when I was in your studio, you were sharing that experience with me and how it really impacted your work and, you know, just the kind of work you create. And I can't imagine going through that. So I am just like so sorry that you experienced that. And and can you, would you, are you comfortable telling us a little bit more about how that shaped your work? Yeah. I mean, first of all, I mean, thank you. <laughs> you know, it was very uh, difficult uh, to go through this, you know, this huge loss. She, you know, got sick, had cancer and passed away three years ago. And at the time, I had I had two little kids. Uh, I had just become a mom uh, a couple of years before that, and so my it felt like my life was already sort of you know in kind of like upheaval, or, or it was very different from what it was you know before kids and um, going through her you know illness and then her death and then being a new mom and all of that. I think that like when that happened, it somehow made it very clear that I needed to focus on painting. At the time, I 
was mostly um, doing freelance textile work. I had kind of stopped painting um, just because I didn't have time and didn't make it a priority. And so even though that loss was devastating, it was also sort of like a wake up call and sort of a call to action. And that's when I decided to, you know, get my own studio again and prioritize painting. This was in 2021. So it was also, you know, right, like during COVID. So it was sort of like this just insane time of sort of nothing feels normal anymore. There's like sort of like the veil has been ripped from my eyes and I was suddenly very just painfully aware that, you know, life is very short, like not to be a bummer, but, you know, life is very short. We don't know what's going to happen. We need to do the things that feel the most important and are the most fulfilling. Somehow we have to make it work. And so that's that's what prompted, you know, me going back to painting and exploring this grief uh, and this feeling of loss with with watercolor and just trying to take care of myself and trying to be gentle with myself, but also letting myself feel, you know, all of the feelings. And, and I remember thinking of these paintings as being vessels in which I could put my grief and ex- examine it and sort of understand it better and making friends with it in a way. And, you know, it, loss and grief, that's something that is so profoundly human and it's just at the core of, of life, you know. And I've, I've met so many people who have said to me that they've really, that they've connected so much with my work because of that, because of this, you know, the intensity of those feelings and being able to offer some kind of solace uh, to the viewer as well. And I think for me, color and texture is so important. And I, it's not about just making it look beautiful just because, you know, for the sake of beauty, it's because for me, the senses and, and how we perceive the world and this for me is, is, is really through color and pattern and shapes and textures. That is where I find comfort and where I find solace. And I'm able to, you know, sort of say, yeah, it sucks. It hurts, but it's, and so it's okay. And it's, it's what makes me human and what connects me with, you know, everybody, literally everywhere. We've all at some point in our life are going to or have experienced grief and loss. And that's what connects us all. Yeah, it's so true and, and so beautifully said. And thank you so much. I know that it's a deeply personal and also universal experience, but I know that it's something that can be, you know, hard to talk about. And I just appreciate your transparency and you just being so open and vulnerable with us. And like I said, it's, it's, I haven't experienced it, but I can't imagine. And it, it sounds like for you, you know, like kind of turning inward and focusing on your work during that time as much as you could while navigating all of this and having two young kids. I mean, would you say it was a healing, pro- like it helped you to heal in some ways? Yeah, for sure. It was really like the only thing that made me feel better. And when there were times where I was not able to paint, you know, for whatever reason, kids are sick or there's no school or whatever, I just remember it being really, really difficult um, and that nothing really, nothing else really helped. And it was hard because with two kids who were so little, like I, I explained to them what happened, but they also couldn't really. They were I think they were two and, and four at the time. You know, at that age, the kids are just 
they really require a lot of attention and time. And, and, uh, and I remember feeling like I just have to hold it together so I can take care of them. And then I would get to the studio and that was like my space to just really explore, you know, just, just feel it, just feel the sadness, but also the hope and also just the love and just being able to channel it into something that was creative and that was, that was bringing me peace. And yeah, that was definitely, I mean, that was the only thing that helped really at the time. But that's amazing. I mean, art, that's the beauty of art and that's the power of the creative process. And I'm so glad that you had that space and that you continue to have the space to Mm -hmm. create your work. And I remember when I was, you know, in your studio and seeing all of your work, one of the like most beautiful parts was seeing the evolution of your work and like how it had changed so much. I saw some of your earlier paintings and then I saw Mm -hmm. your more current watercolors. And then I also saw what you were starting to work on because you were transitioning, I think, you know, from the watercolor to um, these acrylic paintings. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, because I think whenever we change mediums or tech or like we try a new technique and we feel Mm -hmm. that call like and you and I were chatting a little bit about this also before we started recording like you had been working in watercolors for a while but you were feeling the pull to try something else which led you to acrylic and now oil can you walk us through a little bit of that journey yeah I mean I think for me personally I really love learning new things and playing with uh, new techniques and whenever I feel stuck creatively I I just head to the art store and I like buy a new you know I don't know a new pencil a new color new brush and that really like just unstucks me and like really helps and I feel like that's sort of what happened where I was feeling a little bit with the watercolors I had just so much fun exploring it for about two and a half years, I had been painting exclusively with watercolors. And at that point, I kind of felt like I was running out of inspiration, running out of ideas. And then I started and I wanted to paint bigger. I felt limited with paper. And I started and before I did watercolors. So originally, to, no, don't want to go back uh, too much in time, but um, I used to paint with acrylic on canvas. And that, those are the pieces that you saw. And then I taught myself printmaking and lino cuts and screen printing. And I did that sort of exclusively for about five years. And then after my mom passed, I was obsessed with watercolors and I kind of gave myself permission to just explore and and taught myself a new way to do it that isn't really the traditional way to use watercolors. And I feel like, you know, uh, now I'm sort of doing the same thing with oil. And I don't really know why I'm this way but like I feel like I need to change and I need to challenge myself I need to explore new territories and and yeah just play with like the actual physicality of the paint and sort of see what happens and so that's what I'm doing now absolutely I mean I think that when we feel that call or that impulse to try something new in our practice it's so it's so important that we listen. And even though I think sometimes like there's some fear that can arise from that because it's like kind of what you're alluding to or, or, you know, it's like uncharted territory. It's something that's totally Mm -hmm. new. And the, and the beautiful thing about that is that 
as you put it, it takes you out of what can feel sometimes like a bit of a creative rut. Like it, mm-hmm. yeah, it's like, in, it's inspiring and it's exciting. And then the other yeah. side of that is we don't know, like it takes time to figure out how to use, you know, whether it's like a new kind mm-hmm. of paint or whatever, it takes time to figure out how to use it. But it's, yeah, I think it's an essential part of the process is learning how to integrate new techniques and processes and being open to them as well. Like being, we've talked a a fair amount on the podcast this Mm -hmm. season about the importance of allowing your work to change if you're feeling that you need a change, you know, and if you don't, that's fine. But it's like when you feel like you want to try something new in your work, not being afraid and actually embracing that and seeing where it takes you. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, for for me, I've noticed that whenever I try to, you know, ignore that urge uh, and, you know, because I need to stay focused, I need to like, this is what I've you know been doing and I should like keep exploring that direction. But um, that urge sometimes is too strong. And then I feel like if I try to ignore it, then my work just isn't good because I'm like literally fighting you know, some other call. And yes, it is sometimes, sometimes that call turns out to like, just not be a good idea and it goes nowhere. And then it, you know, it is frustrating to have spent, you know, maybe weeks playing with or trying to figure something out and it's not working. Uh, So I'm also trying to like know when to like let go of ideas and not try to run into every direction. Uh, That's definitely a tendency that I can have too. Um, But yeah, I think being able to listen and accept and welcome these creative urges. I think that's a really important thing to do for sure. Absolutely. I think I feel the same in the sense that I need to have some focus in my practice. Otherwise I'm just all over the map, but it's finding that balance, as you mentioned, of like welcome. I love that you said welcoming new creative urges. I think that's such a good way of putting it and just, and being open to them. And then also I think like, yeah, having a level of of focus in terms of the themes or the ideas or whatever it is that you're exploring is also really helpful. One thing I haven't asked you yet that I'd love to learn more about, and you you did tell me when when we did our studio visit, but like for our listeners, can you tell us about your work as a textile designer and and that journey and how and like the connection between your work as a textile designer and mm-hmm. your painting practice? Yeah. So I went to school and I sort of, I studied design and fine arts. It was sort of like all of the arts, <laughs> uh, which is interesting. Um, but I wanted to be a painter and I, you know, tried to do that for the first few years and I had all these, you know, jobs. Uh, some of them were better than others, but um, mostly, you know, working at restaurants or as an art assistant. And after a few years of doing that, I, I was I wanted to work for myself. Basically, I didn't want to work for other people anymore. And I was looking for something that I could make that would allow me to you know, sell art, basically. And this is around the time that Instagram really took off. And um, I had the idea of, of uh, using, you know, printmaking, making patterns and printing them on fabric and then sewing the fabric into tea towels, napkins, uh, little bags, things like that. And um, so I, that's what I did. And um, with Instagram, it was, it was kind of, you know, it was really (laughs) gratifying because I would, I would print some fabric, take photo of it, post it, and then it would be gone within two hours. I would have sold out like, you know, all of my tea towels that I had spent like, you know, weeks making. 
which was which was great because it was you know finally able me to um to quit my job my day job and and just you know sell my art for a living which was fantastic but i was never like i'm not a business person really and running your own business is actually really really hard i mean i i knew this going into it but i didn't know exactly how hard it would be um and um you know instagram changed and the uh, algorithm is not being kind for small businesses and eventually i realized that instead of being creative and and making art i was i had turned into so like a mini sewing sewing printing factory and i was just writing invoices and sent, shipping out orders which is not what i you know had signed up for uh, but i would say that the you know the 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 link between my painting practice and my textile work is definitely this attention to detail this attention to color and textures um i remember just you know, I only wanted to use like natural fibers and like finding the finest linen and beautiful inks to work with and and creating these, you know, these prints that would have all these botanical elements in it. And just trying to, again, this idea of like uh, offering beauty as a source of comfort. And the idea was I can make this tea towel beautiful and it's also, you know, helpful because you have it around your kitchen. You can, you know, dry your hands with it. Or, uh, and the idea of just making life a little bit more beautiful, a little bit more comfortable and just playing with, yeah, playing with pattern, textures, yeah, the softness of the fabric. It's beautiful. I I saw and like got to feel one of your beautiful. I think it was a tea towel. It was like this gorgeous printed mm-hmm. piece of fabric in your studio. Um, and so how would you say like, so you went, you went through that process and then was there a moment where you felt like you wanted to scale back and focus more on painting or how did you kind of transition into focusing more on your studio practice? Uh, yeah, what happened is I got pregnant <laughs> I had a baby <laughs> and, you know, going into it, I was like, Oh, it will be fine. I hear babies sleep a lot. It will be so easy. <laughs> She'll just, you know, be in the studio in her little, you know, basket. She'll sleep and I'll be able to keep doing my business. And, and, uh, and that was very quickly. I realized this was completely unrealistic and, and, uh, probably foolish of me to think that this would work. Um, and, uh, I realized I could not, I felt like I was failing at, my business and failing at being a mom, it was just unsustainable. And so I think when my daughter was around three or four months old, I, I realized I like I need a proper maternity leave. I need to I just take some time off and adjust to this new reality. And I also was completely obsessed with her and just had no desire to even work. It was really uh unsettling and 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 weird but i i was i just couldn't all i could do was like stare at her when she was sleeping stare at her when she was awake i was just completely obsessed uh which is again something i had not uh ever imagined um and so it wasn't until she turned one that i found again the desire to make work and to paint and draw and around that time is when I got pregnant again with my second, my son. 
And so there was basically two years where I did just a bare minimum of, of freelance design work. Uh, and I, and, and just, I didn't have any time to do anything else. Um, mentally, physically it was, it was just not possible. And so it really wasn't until my mom got sick and then passed that I finally, you know, sort of like everything came to a stop and I was like, I cannot keep going like this. I actually, I'm a person, I need to process, you know, this grief that I'm feeling. I also need to feel fulfilled. I need to be creative. Um, my kids were older and, and so it was sort of like the perfect time to, you know, have my own studio again and get back into work. And, and it was very clear to me that I did not want to go back into having my own business. Um, but I also, you know, it's, uh, painting alone doesn't really pay the bills. And so I did need, um, you know, uh, my, my freelance, textile design practice was still very important. And so uh, I found a balance where I'm, you know, uh, three days a week in the studio painting. And then the rest of the week, I'm at home working on my computer and uh, doing freelance design work for textile companies. And it's sort of, it's, it's kind of a, a perfect balance because it feeds, you know, two different needs in, in, that I have. Um, and it's, it, yeah, so it's, it works. It works really well. Uh, for now and we'll see how you know how it evolves but right now it's it's a good balance yeah no I appreciate you sharing that because I think you know this is for a lot of artists a lot of artists that I know that come on the podcast that I work with like the reality is most of them do have part-time or full-time jobs it's a beautiful thing when your part-time or full-time job has some connection to your creative work, like to your studio practice. Also, it doesn't have to, you know, like it really depends on, um, on you and kind of what you're looking for. But I feel like for you, there probably is like, how would you, cause I'm thinking about the patterns and the text, the textures and just the imagery that you have used in your, in your textile designs. And would you say that, that, that those, patterns and and textures and images and all of that, would you say that that connects directly to your art? Like, do they kind of influence each other, your paintings and your, and your design work, or is it more separate? Like, how would you describe that? Yeah, I think uh, color, I I think I lean towards color combinations that are, I don't know if I, they're not bright, like, I don't know if bright is the right word, but they're like, they're kind of vibrating. Like I love high contrasts. Um, I love to play with color, um, layering. I think all of that, like, I think those qualities, like I think my, I have a pretty good eye for color. And I think that that quality is helpful in both, you know, painting and, and textile design. I'm really interested in patterns in quilts, uh, you know, textile prints, all of that is very inspiring to me. And I think like I've used, you know, prints, in my in my paintings and 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 I've also you know used like it's it kind of feeds the textile work feeds the painting which feeds the textile work yes and I and uh, I think the quality of the materials that I use is also like I was telling you earlier before I started recording that when I try to go back to acrylic after the watercolor acrylic just felt so plasticky and 
just artificial, especially after using watercolor, which is just so, you know, beautiful. And it's literally just pigment and water and there's a grace and a beauty to it. And I was just so I couldn't find that with acrylic paint. And uh, and I was using also like store bought canvases that were pre-primed and because I was like, oh, I don't have time to like stretch my own canvases. And and I was it just felt wrong to me. It just felt sort of. And not to say you shouldn't use acrylic on, on pre-primed canvas. If that works for you, that's wonderful. Uh, but for me, I think just the tactility of it was missing. And I think that's also something that, you know, working with textiles and being very aware of how materials feel and how linen feels versus, you know, cotton versus, you know, acrylic, all of that. I think I'm, I'm just very sensitive to how yeah, just materials, how they feel and how they act, you know, together, which is something that I'm really enjoying with oil is I love how it kind of blends, you know, the colors kind of blend together and it's so buttery and slick and yeah. Oh my gosh, it's making me miss oil paint so much (laughs) when you talk about it. I don't know if I've shared with you or like shared on the podcast, but I... I started using oils when I was like maybe 15 or maybe even, I think Mm. I was probably 14 or 15. And I had the opposite experience where I used oils before I used acrylic. So Mm -hmm. when I, when I transitioned to acrylic, I was like, oh my gosh, this is just not, you know, when when you start using oil, it's like, I mean, I can't speak for everyone, but they're, like you said, it's so buttery and just, it's such a luxurious experience that it was challenging for me to go to acrylics. Ultimately, I had to because I uh, unfortunately get really sick from using oils now. I did; It wasn't always mm. that way. Even water-soluble, which is a shame because they're amazing. So anytime I have yeah. like an oil painter on the podcast and they're describing oils, I'm like, oh, I miss it so much. <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe I'll try again outside, like do a little plein air pa- painting. I think I might try it this summer. Yeah. But also, I just love I love what you're saying about you have to dial into what feels right for you. I think that's such an important message because for many artists, you know, buying pre-primed canvases, working with acrylic, like that's fine and they're making beautiful work and it feels good to them. And for some artists, it doesn't. And for me, I noticed when I like I started working with this amazing woodworker in Red Hook who would make custom wood panels for me, which Mm. financially is not the most sustainable thing. (laughs) I'll just say that. I don't know if I'm like (laughs) going to be able to do this long term, but I treated myself last summer and I bought a ton of them, like all custom sizes. Mm. And again, like I don't know how often I'll be able to do this, but there was something about, even though I didn't create that panel there was something about the way that he created it and knowing that it was like custom made and it felt different. Like it actually felt different than a, than a cradle wood panel that you would buy at an art supply store. Like the wood itself was different and it just had a different experience to it. And so for me, like I felt like that was totally changed the way that I would paint or at least like I don't know. It's hard to put it into words and really articulate it, but it was a different kind of experience. But also, I, you know, I've been working lately on these like store-bought, very inexpensive small wood panels, and those have been working great too. So it's like it just depends. But I love what you're saying about really paying attention and being intentional with the materials you're using and just thinking about what's feeling right to you 
it's important. Yeah. Yes, for sure. And I was going to say, you know, when you said I, I miss oil, I was going to say, oh, let's talk about cleanup. <laughs> <That won't make> <laughs> you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Totally. Totally. But I, I, and I am very, like, I, I'm trying to be very conscious of, like, not using toxic material and, mm-hmm. and um, being, you know, as sort of eco-friendly as I can, which is, you know, obviously impossible. Um, but I, you know, yeah, that's that's definitely, you know, especially since having kids. And, you know, I think I care a lot more now about like using non-toxic uh, cleaners, um, finding ways to not be too wasteful. But, yeah, I think it's really important. Like you said, like it is it is sort of like for me, it's a feeling like it's something that you feel in your body, like when you know if some if this is working for you or not. And I think we all as artists have these little quirks or like rules that we have for ourselves and I think that's that's great I think that what works for you know for me isn't necessarily going to work for another artist and vice versa and I think that that's how you get work that is so different and everybody has their own their own voice and their own vision and I think that's just really it really comes down to to yeah to a physical a physical feeling, if that makes sense, like tingling 100%. or, you know, something. You can feel it in your body. And like, yeah. I think the, circling back to one thing we spoke about earlier in the conversation is this is why it's so important, no matter what stage you're at in your art career, to give yourself the gift and the time to experiment with different materials. To, if you're a painter, like to try painting on wood and canvas and linen and perhaps have the experience of if you if you can if it's feasible for you you know trying different kinds of paints on different kinds of surfaces and substrates but also to perhaps try painting on a canvas that you stretch yourself versus one that you bought from the store you might like the store bought one better or you might like the experience of building and stretching your own canvas and what goes into that there's an artist mm-hmm. in our in my online community membership and she talks about she um I think she works on wood panel. I'm quite sure, but I don't want to misspeak, but I know that whether it's wood panels or canvases, she does build them and stretch them herself. And it's like a huge part of her process um, is actually Mm -hmm. making, like she feels that physical connection when she makes them. But yeah, it's just dialing into it and and yeah, yeah, like like thinking about what's working for you. Uh, one question, because I'm like, oh my gosh, we're starting to come to the end of this amazing conversation, but I didn't even ask you like one of the, the biggest questions that I had for you because we didn't talk about how you are originally from France and like moved to the US and how that experience was. And I usually when, when we start these episodes, I start by asking the artist about their journey. And you did tell us a little bit about growing up with your parents being psychiatrists and how that impacted you. But can you tell us like your, just a little bit about your experience growing up in France and mm-hmm. how moving here like impacted you on a personal level. And if that, you know, it perhaps impacted the, the art that you create and just would love to hear a little bit more about it. Oh, sure. So I grew up in, in Lyon in France from a very young age. Like I, I've, I think I, I always want to explore the world and leave. <laughs> um, and I know it's it's sort of it's funny because a lot of Americans have this like idea, like very romanticized idea of, of what living in France is. And um, and, I, you know, it's it's not 
exactly like my experience. I was, I mean, France is wonderful as many of, you know, I love going back. It's great qualities, but I was always sort of interested more in, in exploring, um, uh, traveling and, and learning about new cultures. And so I went, I went to school in Paris and I came to New York on vacation for just a week in 2003, I think. And just fell in love with the city. I just fell in love with, you know, it's very cliche, but just it's energy and, and the beautiful light, the people. Uh, I loved having so many conversations with people on the street and at stores and just everybody. It's just a very different attitude from from people in France. Like I feel in France, people are very or a lot more. I don't know how to describe it, but I remember in France when I was a student, an art student, and I would introduce myself to people and I would say, um, you know, oh, I'm a painter. And people would say, oh, have you shown anywhere? Who's your gallery? You know, it, it just felt very much like, are you a real painter was the question. Like, are you a successful painter? Versus in New York, I would tell people I'm an artist, I'm a painter. And they'd be like, oh, great. That's amazing. Can I see your work? <laughs> like, what are you working on? You know, like, mm-hmm. I feel like people are much more uh, critical in France. Like there are a lot more maybe guarded or I don't know. I mean, this is also 20 years ago, so maybe it's changed a little bit since, but I just felt this freedom. Mostly I felt being in New York, I felt really free and energized and just loved it. And so, um, I moved here, uh, in 2006 full time and I just, yeah, it just feels like home to me now. It really feels like the right place for me. It is hard being away from my family, you know, especially during COVID. And um, now that I have kids, it's, you know, it is, you know, it's a decision I made when I was in my 20s and a very different person. And so now, you know, I don't really travel anymore. I just go to France and then come back here. Um but um, I've learned to appreciate France for what it is and New York for what it is. And, um, yeah, again, it's a good balance, I think, having both, uh, you know, very different, but both wonderful. Yeah, it's such a gift when you have that. Like, And it's it's also just, you know, it's a beautiful thing that you came here and it felt like home to you. And it's such a different place from where you grew up, but you felt that energy and you really felt – at home here. And I mean, obviously I'm biased because I also live in Brooklyn and I think it's like the best place ever. <laughs> like I can't imagine living anywhere else. Uh, but, yeah, exactly. I, I, but I, but I get what you mean though about like, I, totally when you, I, I've had that experience too. Whenever I tell people here, I'm an artist or it's very, I mean, it's, we live in a city. We're so lucky that really values art and artists. And, and I think there's like an openness here and, and not so much like, well, you're only a real painter or, you know, a, a credible mm-hmm. artist if you're backed by a gallery. Like there's so many different kinds of artists and some yeah. are full-time and some are part-time. And, you know, also like we've talked about on the podcast how even if you're an artist that just makes work for yourself and you share it and you don't want to sell or exhibit, yeah. that's also yeah. totally valid as well. There's So I think there is that like feeling of acceptance. Yeah. But, but also, you know, I think in New York the art world can can at the same time feel a little bit intimidating so it's like navigating that as well but yeah I'm glad that you found absolutely a, you know a place that you feel at home and your studio is gorgeous like truly getting to visit it and just see your work in person was so amazing I'm so glad that you have that space and Red Hook in particular is such a cool 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like inclusive artist community. Yeah. And I, I just love being so close to the water, like the air, you know, smells different and it, the light is different. It's just, uh, yeah, I love it. It's special. <laughs> Red Hook is, is a really, really special place. And I feel so grateful that yeah. I was able to live there and, yeah. and you're in an amazing place. Okay. So as, as we start to wrap up, I do like final question I have for you. What's on the mm-hmm. horizon for you this year? We are recording this episode in February of 2024. So what are you working on like right now? What's any exciting things coming up for you? We'd love to hear it. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm about to start. I've joined the Canopy program (laughs) as a student and I'm really excited to see where this goes. Uh, It's, you know, it's nine months long program uh, to further develop my practice, um, uh, and I'm, yeah, I'm really excited to see, uh, to see where this goes. Uh, I don't have any, any shows or any exciting news, uh, right now, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sort of just working. Uh, I feel like I'm still very much in an exploratory phase of my work and I'm, I'm not quite ready to share it just yet. Um, I'm really just in this sort of like, you know, working frenzy phase where I, all I'm thinking about is my work and going back to the studio and putting in the hours and, and, uh, you know, just making and making, um, I feel like really just, you, you learn by doing right. And like, and things will sort of come, uh, they just become more clear just by, you know, putting in the work and the time. Uh, so that's what I've been doing. And that's about it. I'm about to go to France for a week to see my dad <laughs> with my kids, which will be really nice. And, uh, that's, that's about amazing. It. Yeah. But, you know, having seasons mm-hmm. to just make your work, to just focus on making your work, I think is is such a gift. Yeah. And, and also the Canopy program is amazing. I haven't done it personally, but I've worked with artists. Mm-hmm. I'm working with an artist right now in my one-on-one mentorship program who's in the canopy program. There's another artist yeah. in my one-on-one program who also just joined. And I'm like, I'll have to email you after and I'll email her because I okay. think you might be in, in the same cohort because it's start, it's oh, the, nice. the, the one that's starting uh, very soon. So yeah, um, it's exciting. And yeah. it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how your work grows and evolves and develops like through that program. Yes. And I'm excited yeah, to see it. It is, you know, it is hard, it's, you know, in this age where if you don't post on Instagram every day, then, you know, you feel like everybody's forgotten about you and, and all of that. There is, like, I do feel this pressure of like having to show finished work and having to show what I'm working on and having to like have all these things. But the reality is that, you know, I keep telling myself, you know, I'm still a baby painter. (laughs) I'm still learning. I'm still exploring. And that's fine. And like, it's, it's like, I keep having this, this image of like seeds growing, like you can't plant a seed and expect it to be a full grown plant a week later. Like it takes time and it takes, and you can't make it happen faster, you know? So you do have to respect that. And however frustrating that can be (laughs) sometimes. Oh my gosh, totally, totally. It's like, it's just part of the process is accepting that it is a process and that it does take time. And you kind of have to allow the unfolding, you know, like we 
there was another podcast episode that we released earlier this season that was kind of centered on that with a really wonderful artist, Jennifer Agricola Mojica. She just popped into my mind because this is kind of what we focused our conversation on is like uh, allowing that the magic that comes with allowing the process to unfold Mm -hmm. and kind of evolve organically. Like you can't put pressure on it. You just have to show up when you can show up practice when you can practice and, and pay attention to, you know, like make observations along the way. But, um, Mm -hmm. I'm, I mean, getting to see your work in person was such a treat, as I've mentioned, and I'm so excited to continue following your journey online. Um, Amelie, for anyone. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. For anyone that's tuning in, can you tell our amazing listeners where they can learn more, um, your Instagram, your website, and all included in the show notes as well? Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, so my Instagram handle for my painting practice is Melly Cine. So it's M E L I under what's that called? Underscore. Underscore. Yeah. <laughs> what is that called? Yes. <laughs> the lower thingy. Yes. Underscore. Um, yeah. 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 Underscore Cine is uh, C I N I, and my website is amelymancini.com. And that's yeah. Those are the two places you'll you'll see my work. Wonderful. Thank you so much for a beautiful and inspiring conversation as I knew it would be. And uh, I can't wait to continue. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to continue following your journey. And for everyone to tune into this episode, thank you so much. We will see you next time. Thank you for tuning in and supporting our platform. To learn more about New Visionary Magazine, head over to visionaryartcollective.com slash magazine. You can order individual copies on Amazon or subscribe annually to digital issues. We also have opportunities to get featured in the magazine, so be sure to join our newsletter and follow us on Instagram. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to leave a review on iTunes or tag us on Instagram. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.